Jason Wildey is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. And we always like to talk about the biggest things going on in the world of football, and that is why we bring in Jason Wildey. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. I think if when we say the world of football, I think uh, it's pretty obvious we start with, you know, in the post Jurgen Klopp era, I mean, is it going to be still Liverpool or will it be Arsenal? Who's the biggest competitor to Man City right now? I mean, as we look into next year and Liverpool without Jurgen Klopp, uh, FC Bayern. Is that not the correct answer? I mean, Bayern Munich is in a, the Champions League. Yeah, is a place in the Champions League that could be a competitor, and who knows? I mean, based on where else Jurgen Klopp is coached, I don't know that he could end up there, but some have pointed to that as a potential destination. Maybe let's go back to American football, Jason, where the Packers hired a defensive coordinator. What do you think? They did, Jurgen Klopp. Um, I'm really intrigued. There's been a couple of reports out there now that um, maybe there were some uh, Baltimore Ravens assistants that were in the mix and may, may or may not have been offered. Uh, the job as well, and I know that there's uh, there's a, a stigma, if you will, that I'm sure that the Packers don't want of, well, they didn't get their first choice. So, you know, I don't know personally whether Zach Orr was offered the Packers job before he stayed in Baltimore or if Denard Wilson was offered the job before he said, no, I'd rather go to Tennessee. I, I don't know that. They interviewed both of them. Uh, the, the Packers obviously had an interest in them, but they settled on Jeff Halfley. And I think the biggest thing is, unlike the last time they changed defensive coordinators from Mike Patton to Joe Barry, uh, they are more or less cleaning house on the defensive side of the ball. They are, uh, they've informed all those coaches that they can interview elsewhere. I know Jerry Montgomery is going to leave and go coach somewhere else after uh, nearly a decade in green Bay. So, I think it's interesting that not only are they going to change their defensive approach and their defensive coordinator, but also their position coaches, at least some of them, if not all of them, as well. Is Green Bay considered like average, below average, above average as a destination for coaches? Um, You know, I know for players, all things being equal, it may not always be the, you know, the hippest place to live and all of that, but for coaches where there is a lower cost of living, there is a quality of life where you can have kind of a normal life with your family. Like, do you have a sense of what that reputation is when it comes to trying to attract assistant coaches? I do. I, I think that it, it is similar to players in that it depends on what you want from that experience. Now, I know that there were co- assistant coaches who – uh, we're really happy in Green Bay because, for example, um, if your kids go to Ashwaubenon or Bayport um, or one of the Green Bay schools or even you know Notre Dame, which is the private school, you're basically 10 to 12 minutes from Lambeau Field. So if your kid is in sports or in the drama club and in a show, you can like leave work, go catch them performing, and then come back to work, and it's really convenient. Whereas, you know, if you work for the Jets or somebody else, depending on where you live, not as convenient. At the same time, I would say that coaches do have the same 
desires or maybe their families have the same desires that some players do, which is, you know, boy, it'd be cool to work in L.A. and have our kids be able to go to Disneyland whenever they want, right? So I think the same applies, but I do think for especially coaches that are older that have families, uh, what I have found is a lot of them really like it in Green Bay because of all the things you mentioned. Okay, so we think ultimately they're not like – oh, this is such a tough place to get, so we're just going to take whoever we can get because no coaches want to come here. So then to bring someone in from college who is a head coach, like what, what do you think about the overall kind of profile of, you know, of the new defensive coordinator? So I, I personally like the hire. Now, regardless of who else was in the mix, uh, and one of the reasons is that he has been a head coach. Now, he has not been a defensive coordinator in the NFL before. Uh, He also, technically, has never been a full-fledged, all-by-himself defensive coordinator. In 2019, at Ohio State, he was the co-defensive coordinator. But what I like about him is he spent four years, and I know college players aren't the same as uh, NFL players, although with the Packers roster, there's not as big of a difference as there might be on other teams. But he's been in the front of the room. And one of the things that I was just blown away by was in his postseason press conference, I think they lost on Saturday, so I think it was on a Monday, that Matt LaFleur, in back-to-back answers to questions, basically said he was open to giving up the offensive play calling duties. To the point where, and and I know uh, Gary Ellerson gave me a hard time about it, and Rutledge and Hamilton did as well, um, because – I was kind of, like, incredulous. I'm like, Matt, you can't just say that flippantly. Like, you're coming off of a year where, you know, during the second half of the season, you and Jordan were complete sync. You would really give up the play-calling duties just to be more involved defensively? And, you know, he kind of backed off a little bit and said, I'm just, I just want to be clear that I'm willing to do that if it came to that. I'm not saying that I'm looking to do that. And with Jeff Halfley, he can be, theoretically, the head coach of the defense. And Matt LaFleur can say, hey, I've got a guy who for four years was in the front of the room at Boston College. He can command the room. He's going to be able to be the head coach of the defense, and I don't have to worry about it as much as I did during the stretch run after that Tampa Bay game with Joe Barry. So I think that's a really good thing. I also think that if you look at those, for example, those Baltimore assistants, uh, they have the same or less experience as defensive position coaches as Halfley does. You know, Halfley started out way back in 2012 in the NFL. He worked under Mike Pettin, which obviously Matt LaFleur kept him for a while, and it wasn't because he didn't like his defense that he moved on. I think it was more of a personality conflict and a feeling that, you know, the the loss to the Buccaneers got pinned on a defense that got three takeaways and uh, that Matt LaFleur admitted there was a, quote, miscommunication on the final play of the half when they got that big touchdown, if you remember that game. And so I don't think that it was – they didn't like the Petten scheme because Petten has influenced Jeff Halfley. And then the other person who's influenced them is Robert Sala, who obviously is one of LaFleur's closest friends, who LaFleur really admires that style of defense. It's more aggressive than the Vic Fangio scheme. And so you put all that together, and I think Jeff Halfley's a pretty – appealing candidate now he's got to do it but the other thing that i had a couple of people tell me from inside the building is that they think their guys are really going to like him they think that he's really going to hit it off with players and 
and I don't I don't know if that was the case initially with Joe Barry, but I definitely think that there were some instances where guys did not feel like their voices mattered, and I think that rubs guys the wrong way. Whether or not they had a right to be ticked about that, I don't know. But I listened to a podcast with Halfley uh, with my buddy Matt Miyoko, who covers the 49ers for NBC Bay Area. And one of the things Halfley talked extensively about in that podcast was spending time around Darrell Revis, both at Pitt in college and then again in the NFL with the Buccaneers. And he said the biggest thing he learned from being around a Hall of Famer is you have to give players a voice. You have to listen to them. And you don't always have to do what they say, but you have to listen to them because they're the ones that are out there. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to hear from him, considering how the Jair Alexanders and the Darnell Savages and others felt about kind of the way things went with Joe Barry. When we continue with Jason Wilde, we are going to learn his view, and maybe Kyle's, maybe mine, on what things look like moving forward with Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, and Jair Alexander. Those three players next when we continue with Jason Wildey brought to us by Boucher Automotive on Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. The mirror's image tells me it's home time, but I'm not finished, cause you're not by my side, and as I arrived, I thought I saw you leaving, carrying your shoes. Jason Wilde is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. All right, we continue with Jason Wildy, who rumors have, Kyle, Jason Wildy, maybe a little in-studio Wildy for the second hour, kind of wrapping up uh, Packers season. Um, it's, Kyle, you're looking quizzical. You're the producer of the show. I assume you're the one who has been working on that all week. Not at all. That means Jason must be in Milwaukee today. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out, but let's uh, head right to uh, the tease which was Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander. Jason, let's go in whatever order you want. Let's go one at a time and figure out what each of their futures are with the Green Bay Packers. All right, well, let's, let's start with Aaron Jones. Uh, and, and you know this, I've been doing this a really long time. That, that first season of 1996 when I was 24 years old, and now here we are in 2023 and a third potentially really, really good quarterback. Jason, I was uh, thinking about succession. this. Have you been covering the Packers for half your life now? Like over half your life? Uh, not. Uh, yes, I have. 28 seasons. This was my 28th season. And next month I will turn uh, 52. So, yes, definitely wow. more than half. All right. Um, yeah, crazy. So, here's the – I was not a, a, a humble brag or a boy am I really old brag. My, what I was about to say is I don't know if I've ever heard a general manager, including Ted Thompson or Ron Wolf, who was much more open than Ted Thompson, ever, ever, ever be as definitive about two players whose futures, I think the reason why you asked is because their futures should be and are uncertain in the rest of our minds. But Brian Gutekunst basically flat out said, Aaron Jones is coming back. 
And when asked if he would consider trading uh, Jair Alexander, the direct quote was, no, no, twice. And so they will both be back on this team next year. And I thought that that was, I mean, that was a headline grabber to me because Aaron Jones' cap number is $17 million. He is 29 years old. He will turn 30 in December. Usually when you get to that age, uh, teams are not willing to be that definitive about your future with them. He's going into the last year of his contract, and they, they committed to him. I mean, Brian Gutekunst flat out said uh, how different they are. They have to figure out a way to keep him healthier than he was this year. But for him to say that, I was, I was like, wow. That's a big statement. Now, and, on and the flip I side and you know that, I love that. You know I love that on Aaron Jones, and I don't think that's a yep. high cap number for him. And I think we even saw this year maybe unfair because he has had a lot less wear and tear. But we saw Raheem Mostert right with Miami. Like I, I don't know that the age thing right. has to be so definitive. Uh, no, I agree. I just uh, again I think they are a better team with him on the field. And he definitely, I would keep him, but I'm the guy that I, you know, Jordy Nelson would still be lining up at the X receiver <laughs> if I was in charge. So um, look, I just thought it was really surprising that he would, he wouldn't hedge. Like he, he did not hedge in his answer about him. And, and so that means Jason, that means you don't think with, with, uh, with Aaron Jones, that it's, hey, we need to renegotiate if you're going to be part. That means like, hey, you're making your money and everything's just as is and we don't need to think about that question again this offseason? No, I think I think it's going to be uh, we're going to extend him. I think they're going to, I think they're going to like do like a new three-year deal. He will get $17 million as part of it, which would have been what he would have gotten this year. And then they have him under contract for future years. So if they want to keep him, uh, they have him under contract. Why would he do that? Uh, because he, he would get a big upfront signing bonus. Like okay. They would structure it in a way that he would get that $17 million guaranteed up front. So it would work really well for him. Now, the Jair Alexander piece, I don't know, what did you think when you looked at you know, the, the way his season went? You were very critical of David Bakhtiari. And so I'd be curious, especially as someone who leads a company, how you would view the fact that he would be so definitive we're not trading Jair Alexander. And I wasn't critical of Bakhtiari. I was critical of the Packers for having David Bakhtiari if they're trying to reinvent their culture, right? Like David Bakhtiari is an all-pro player who, you know, on a lot of teams would be the right fit. I just didn't feel like he was the right fit to be one of the best players on a team that was rebuilding and was, you know, trying to reset their culture. If they didn't think what Aaron Rodgers was doing, they wanted to continue. And Jair Alexander, by the way, feels very similar to this point. I mean, to me, I think this is more about Jair Alexander than the Packers. And does he want to be here? And with what attitude? And I don't know, does this have to do with his relationship with Matt LaFleur, or does this have to do with his relationship with the new defensive coordinator or Joe Barry as the former defensive coordinator? Like, where did the Jair stuff go so wrong? Have we gotten to the root of that? Because I think I would need to understand that before I could even think about if he should be an important part of the future. So I definitely think that there was a frustration with Joe Barry. There's, uh, I mean, you don't have to be... uh... Inspector Clouseau to get that feeling because remember how mad he was in the opener in 2022 
that he didn't match up with Justin Jefferson and that the excuses of, well, then it makes it harder for the rest of the defense didn't really hold a lot of water. Right. And then they played so well at the end of 2022, their defense did, in my opinion, at least including that Vikings game. I know the Lions game wasn't as good. And so to me going into 23, I didn't even have this on my radar as like one of the big subplots of the season. So I think that was part of it. I think Matt LaFleur did a less than stellar job of uh, disguising or uh, hiding his frustration with Jair's lack of physical availability with uh, the back and the shoulder. I think, I think that there was a feeling among some in the building that his injury was not as legitimate uh, as Jair felt it was. So I think there was frustration there. I mean, we heard that, let's be honest, there was some of that with David Bakhtiari early in the year too, obviously, before he went on injured reserve and had the surgery. I thought that was one place where I would probably criticize Matt LaFleur. And I want people that I interview to be honest, so I'm being a little hypocritical here. But he, he did not manage that drama all that effectively. And Matt LaFleur did admit after the suspension of Jair Alexander that his communication on his side of that relationship wasn't good enough either. So I think that, you know, they, I I don't know if I believe wholeheartedly that, Oh, this was such a good thing for all of us. And and we're coming out on the other side so much better for it. I hope that's true. Um, But again, I, I don't know enough about where Jair Alexander's head is at to fully grasp whether or not, okay, it's great that the Packers say they're not trading him. Uh, is it possible that Jair Alexander, though, wants to be traded still and isn't happy and wants to play somewhere else? He had that Instagram post where, for many, it felt like he was saying goodbye to Green Bay. and So I don't know, and I have not spoken to him. Uh, he did not return my text messages looking for answers, not surprisingly. So I, I don't know where he is at, but that is a layer that we can't speak definitively on. We can, on the other hand, say that Brian Gutekunst flat out said he's not trading him. So maybe that is also a ploy to tell Jair, hey, we're, you're, you're stuck with us. We're not, we're not moving you. It would be a huge cap hit if they traded him at this point, and they think he can still play when he's healthy. So I, I, that part of it, I think that that story is not as uh, clear-cut as the Aaron Jones one is. All right, so we mentioned Bakhtiari as the third. What happens with him? Uh, I thought that the juxtaposition of how definitive Goody was about those other two guys and then how uncertain he was in his comments about Bakhtiari uh, struck a very clear chasm between how he feels about the other two being on this team next year and about Bakhtiari. Now, in fairness, there is the question of Bakhtiari's health. Uh, but he could have easily said, look, if he's, if he's healthy enough and we, we feel like they've gotten this uh, knee completely resolved, uh, we, would rather, we want to have him on our team. We're better with him on our team. And he did not say anything even remotely approaching that. So I, I, don't, think, I don't think that that's – I think he was being – I don't want to say speaking in code, but I think he was basically saying, you heard what I said about these other guys. Now you heard what I said about Bakhtiari. Read the tea leaves. I mean, Bakhtiari's got a $40 million cap number. They will save 
$21 million in cap space by not having him on the team because his dead cap money is only like $19 million. So they, there are lots of benefits, and there's the issue of how much do you trust that this latest surgery will solve all that ails that left knee of his? I don't think the Packers want to go through another experience where they pay a guy $15 million to play in one game. So I do think his time with the Packers is most certainly over. Um, I will be curious, though, if he gets a clean bill of health from uh, not only a Packers doctor, but any doctor in the NFL, I would love to know what his market would be. Cause I still believe that if that is fixed, he can have like an Andrew Whitworth style second act. Like Andrew Whitworth had a really, really good career in Cincinnati. And then he went to LA and he had like another six good years there. I'm not sure that Bakhtiari can have that many good years there, but I definitely think that he could still have a very productive high level three or four more years if that knee is fixed. Because you saw how he played in Chicago. He was terrific. And uh, the question that I have is, will he be able uh, to play again at that level? If he is, somebody's going to be very, very lucky to have him on their roster. Yeah, and if we do, uh, fortunate enough to have Jason here in studio with us. The thing I want to think about, which, Kyle, are you over the loss yet? Like, where are you? Because you couldn't even watch the AFC and NFC championships last week. So where where are you mentally now? I'm in a good space. I'm in a good space now. Yeah. So are you thinking about the Packers now as Super Bowl contenders for next year? I believe the Super Bowl window is open, yes. I believe based off what we saw this year and really the two teams in the championship game, the Packers went toe-to-toe with both of them. They beat one and they were up on another and they you know, beat the Lions as well. So the Packers showed last year when they got hot, they were one of the better teams in the NFL and that should carry over to next year. Okay, Jason, are we going to have you in studio? Yes. Okay, then I'm not going to have you respond to that. I'm not going to have you respond to what Kyle just said about the the window is officially open. But when we have Jason Wilde in studio this hour, we will uh, have him address if he believes the window is now open. Thanks so much, Jason. Look forward to seeing you soon. All right, guys. Take care. Be good. I'll see you in a bit. Yep. There he is, Jason Wilde, who uh, joins us. In his regular spot, brought to us by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. How about that? A little bonus season wrap-up with Jason Wilde in studio. Kyle, how you feeling about that? That's fantastic. Hey, what? What? Uh, how'd you get the juice from him? I, I just, I just saw it on the rumors. I was looking online. I was like oh, wow. studying the. Yeah, yeah. There, it was just. I, I, I couldn't confirm it or deny it, but I was, uh, I was hearing those kinds of rumors yeah, going guess, around. I guess I suck at my job. I don't look at anything. Well, yeah, that's what we've said. We've said you're a good host. You're a bad producer, but uh, we like uh, having you here every Sunday morning, just like you all. It is. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll figure out. This is how good we produce the show. We'll figure out if we have a seven at eleven coming up next. It's Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Kyle, uh, you know what happened yesterday in college basketball that had not happened in uh, over 20 years? What is that? Three top 10 teams played against each other on the same day. Oh, and you got a fourth going today. Exactly. So, and do you know who, wait, so the fourth one, so this is crazy then, right? Because you have now Wisconsin-Purdue today, which is a monster game, right? 
two versus six and at the Cole Center. Uh-huh. By the way, in that game, Purdue favored by two and a half. So pretty much seen as an even game with the Badgers at home. Yesterday, you had those three games, Duke, North Carolina. Obviously, you had Houston going and laying an egg at Kansas. And then you had uh, Tennessee winning at Kentucky. I mean, that's wild, right? So eight of the top 10 teams playing against each other this weekend. You know who one of the other two teams is in the top 10? Marquette. Yes. How crazy is that? That the state of Wisconsin has two of the top 10 teams. And I know you could say that about the state of North Carolina with Duke and North Carolina, but you can't. But that's Duke and North Carolina. Right, exactly. That's my point. Like, that's crazy. Is that the most undertold story in sports of this year? Caught up in the Green Bay Packers' success and in the Milwaukee Bucks' coaching change and Dame Lillard trade and Doc Rivers joining the team and all that? I mean... Marquette and Wisconsin are both in the top 10 at the same time in college basketball. Is that, no, no one saw that coming. I, mean, uh, I didn't. I think matter we saw fact, Marquette. I mean, we saw Marquette coming as having a big time year. Well, matter of fact, I literally I saw that Marquette was ranked ninth, and I said, Marquette's ranked ninth? What is Wisconsin ranked in? Because I didn't realize it because I don't check the rankings every week. I knew Wisconsin was slowly rising and rising, but I would assume they were more like in a ninth position. I didn't realize they'd be six. Too bad they lost to Nebraska. But, hey, this is going to be fun tonight if, uh, or today if the Badgers can pull off the big upset. Yeah, it is, uh, it is wild. It actually inspired me to consider a 7-at-11 around college basketball. And the 7-at-11 that I was going to do around college basketball was going to be around leading scorers in college basketball who ended up having like careers in the NBA. Because usually the leading scorer in college basketball does not end up in the mix in the NBA. Nope. Like, do you know who that who it was last year? The leading scorer in college basketball last year? No idea. Remember, he was the guy who was going for the record from Detroit Mercy, Antoine Davis. Oh yeah, yeah. And they uh they were uh what is it? They they tried to they wanted to try to get into another game in some yeah. no name tournament. Oh yeah. look at this, Jason. Hey, Wildy. Jason Wildy's uh, here. He uh. He ended up, he's not in the studio yet. He was just in the window. Does Jason, does Jason not know how to get, does he not have like the fingerprint and the app and all that to get in? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm a bad producer. I have no idea what access he has. Okay. Yeah. You don't know. All right. You're going to go try to help him in. But the leading scorer in last year in all of college basketball actually plays this year for the Rip City Remix. Yeah. The Rip City Remix of uh, the NBA G League. Year before that, leading scorer in college basketball, plays in Bulgaria. Peter Kiss. Yeah, just because you can score a lot of points doesn't mean it translates to the NBA. I'm saying, year before that, Max Admus, he is, uh, he's still in college. He, he transferred. He, remember he was the guy from Oral Roberts? Who's now on uh, Texas. Hey, why is Jason in there? Why isn't he in here? I, I'm not sure. He scared the bejeebus out of me, though. Does he not? Has he never been here before? Jason has done a show here. Willie and Taos did a show here uh, in the fall. But you know who uh, who the leading scorer in the country was the year before that? 
Uh, no, Craig, I, I, I don't know. Marcus Howard. Oh, wow, Marcus Howard. It was, he averaged like 26 points per game. Marquette's Marcus Howard, his senior year, I mean, he had to have to lead the country in scoring. So, I mean, and, and he had a little NBA career, but he's playing in uh, the Spanish League and has played EuroLeague. So that's why we decided not to go there. And instead, we welcome Jason Wilde to the studio. Hey, Jason. Have you Have you been here before? I have a few times. Okay, okay. But do you not have access like to good karma offices? Like co- teammates have like you use your fingerprint, you get in. Do you are you not on that in that mix? Uh, I do not think so. No. Wow. Who knew that? Who knew that after 20 years or whatever as a teammate? I guess we'll call it yeah, almost 20 years as a teammate. Yeah, over over 20 if you count all the times uh before when I was still fully uh Wisconsin State Journal employee. Yeah, 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 exactly. So Jason um, first of all, welcome. Great um, to be here. Is this this your first time in studio? No, with me. How should I, no, oh, with, with me, you for in sure. The, in t- however many years yeah, of doing going this show. back to the football show. Wow, this is big. I mean, to Kyle, this is a big moment. Good job as the producer booking this. See, Kyle, Kyle barely even listens. <laughs> That's right, part of why he's a terrible producer. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to know. So, Jason, you just, uh, you just. I'm sure there's some bigger reason why you're here, or is it just because you wanted to visit and surprise us? Happy New Year. Well, so uh, the girls both competed in a gymnastics meet yesterday. Uh, they call it the Pink Meet. It is a um, not only a meet but a fundraiser for uh, breast cancer awareness and uh, prevention. And then in between, Sydney competed in three basketball games in a basketball tournament back in Wrightstown. So we drove down here, drove back to Wrightstown, drove back down here, and then Paula and Sydney have gone back to Green Bay, and Maddie is uh, auditioning for some opportunities with the Milwaukee Ballet. So I thought I'd come over nice. and see you guys, get a slice of pizza. I love the 3rd oh, Street Market Hall. It is great Big here. Fan. That pizza, That pizza is a good spot. So wait, so Kyle said the door's open. The window's open now, officially. Now, you and I were both on the same page, six wins-ish this mm-hmm. year. Are you on the Kyle train that the Super Bowl window is officially open, or is he opening in the window uh, a year too early? No, I think it's open. Now, here's the problem. And, and Kyle, I, I feel like I've spent a good portion of this otherwise magical run kind of tamping down your excitement and expectations or or at least – you know, between you and Tausch, I, I don't know. I was going to say, isn't Tausch the same way? Or Tausch has been like I, saying this is a Super Bowl year yeah. this year? He thought the window was open this year. He did. Yeah, he and, was, that, that was even bigger to me. I, I was happy with hopefully getting to the NFC Championship game. And, and, and look, I understand where he's coming from. I mean, even Brian Gutekunst, when we talked to him uh, midway through the week last week, uh, he made a comment where with five minutes left in the game in San Francisco, he thought they were a Super Bowl team too which I kind of wanted to raise my hand and say, well, he still had to go to Detroit and beat them. But that speaks to how good he was feeling about his team. Well, and they had gone to Detroit and beaten them already, so they that had. would be a fair thought to have. So so I think one of my frustrations with both Kyle and with Tausch has been that it's not like they got cheated out of winning in San Francisco. Like, they were the ones who dropped the interceptions. They were the ones whose defense did not get the stop with the game on the line. They were the ones with the first-year kicker that missed a kick, and they were the ones whose quarterback, who was awesome for nine straight games, threw a completely knuckleheaded interception that he would admit was a colossal mistake. And one of the things I like about Jordan Love is he doesn't need us to coddle him. Like, he doesn't need us to make excuses for the interception he threw. He knew that that was a really, really bad interception. So 
all those things tell me that they weren't ready yet. And again, being the old guy that's covered this team for so long, the 2009 team wasn't ready yet. The 1995 team that went to San Francisco wasn't ready yet. But this team was like those. Now, does that mean next year? Because the 95 team led to the 96 team that won the Super Bowl. The 09 team led to the 10 team that won the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that the 24 team will win the Super Bowl. I think there's probably another intermediate step there first. But I wouldn't be surprised if they are playing on Super Bowl Sunday in February of 2026 at the end of the 25 season. Is it wrong to think that next year they should take the next step to an NFC championship game? No, I don't think that's wrong at all. Now, I think it it is incumbent in part on their defense and whether they hired the right guy and whether they replenish. Look, if they could have... But also when you say that, like, there's other teams, right? right? So, like, when you say that, Kyle, like, who who would you honestly, if you had to say, is more likely to be there right now, the Lions or the Packers? In the NFC Championship game? Yeah. I mean, I guess the Lions because they got there. So I would right. say the Lions. Because say they the got Lions, there, yeah. they're kind of a year ahead of they, the Packers if you're looking no, at them. They, they on the 100% same, yeah. are a year ahead. Though both teams, this is the first time the Lions have made the playoffs and been been a little bit of a while there. And first right. time they won a playoff game since, what, 93, was it? Yeah. 92, something so, like that. So who's more Who likely knows? to be there next year, the 49ers or the Packers? I would say the 49ers. There are teams that should be there before the Packers, but you would have said the Dallas Cowboys should have been there maybe right, before exactly. the Lions and before the Packers. But. So that's why I'm saying it's such a high bar just to, to no say doubt it's, it is. That's why the Super Bowl is even a higher bar, right? To say, and I know this isn't the AFC where it's like quarterback hell that you're going against in the AFC, but I, I that's where I tend to be with Jason that, like, sure, it's possible that they could be in the NFC Championship. And if you're in the NFC Championship, sure, it's possible you could end up in the Super Bowl, but like, when we look at the Super Bowl this year, it's the 49ers and the Chiefs. And I mean, those are two of the top three teams that were expected to be there, along with the Eagles at the start of the season. So if the Packers are maybe the seventh or eighth team, it's possible. But I don't think we could really have that as like our expectation for that young of a team next year to be in the NFC Championship. It to me, if they're in the playoffs back-to-back years, that would be huge. But they've For already- Jordan Love to start his career with back-to-back consistent enough seasons, and I know there's an extra playoff spot now, so maybe there should be a slightly higher bar than just making the playoffs, but maybe double-digit wins, they, but, but, something like that. So you think doing the same thing they did this year will be a step in the right direction for the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, I just think they got hot at the right time this no, year. Oh No, that's setting the bar too low. The expectations here in Green Bay, when it's, they're, they're Super Bowls. We want to, The knock on Aaron Rodgers is what? The fact that he did not make more appearances in the Super Bowl, did not yes. win more Super Bowls. Brett Favre, same thing. Yep. And so that is the standard that we have set here in Green Bay, and I'm not going to change that standard just because we have a young team. That young team showed us that they have a lot of talent. And so the standard for me next year, I think it's either NFC Championship or bust. I, I mean, Jason. Goody Wallace over here. Yeah. Goody felt good about him, too. He, he did. You sound like him. I mean, he said. Now, here's, here's another issue that I have. So at one point in the press conference on Thursday, he says that the Super Bowl is always the expectation, and that never changes around here. At the same time, he also admits that when they were 2-5 and five and we were wondering if they were any good at all, they altered expectations and made it to, hey, let's focus on weekly improvement. Let's not worry about the results. 
So you can kind of shift it as it fits the so team. So why'd they trade you, Razul Douglas? Because they didn't think they were going to be in the position they were. <laughs> okay. And so he's never like, going to admit that, but that's exactly what it was. They so, won a third-round draft pick. <laughs> and they didn't get a third-round draft pick. You know, you do that just to irritate me. They got a, they, they traded Rasul Douglas and a fifth-round pick to get a third-round pick. So they moved up 40-ish spots so they could draft someone in the third round. So now they have five picks in the first two days. I, I was do he wa- viewed as a negative in some way off the field no, or something? I don't, like I don't that, think so. Or, I, or were they trying to do him a solid to like get him with a team where he could play for the playoffs? Like that That's the one move that, again, if it was like, hey, we had given up on the season at that point, I understand, but that move in a vacuum seems weird. No, I think they, I think they were giving up on the season. I, Goody will never, ever admit that, but he tacitly admits that when he says to us on Thursday that they were at a point where it was, all right, let's just focus on the process. Let's not focus on the results. When have you ever heard a general manager who's not coaching, say, a tanking NBA team say that phrase? Like, that he admitted that I thought was very telling, and he had also admitted it with his behavior of trading Russell Douglas. Yes, and so when you look at going into next year – and I don't know that any of this has to do really with what the Bears do or the Vikings, for that matter, do at quarterback. Right. But, I mean, is – I mean, I don't know that when – I mean, Kyle, are you saying they should win the division next year? Are you saying you're going to be disappointed if they don't win the division? I mean, again, I understand who and what the Lions are. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. They're a good team. They kept their offensive coordinator, and they're going to compete for the division next year. I'm not going to say it's, oh, yeah, the Packers should win it, but I expect the Packers and the Lions to be going neck and neck to try to win the NFC North this, next year. I mean, this I, season. I looked at the Packers and the Bears. They had similar seasons this year. Stop it. If, no, wait, no. Okay, oh. if you take out the two head-to-head games, okay, take out the two head-to-head games, I think what do they have the same record, Jason? The Packers and the Bears? So the Packers got two wins against the Bears. They finished nine and eight, so then they're seven and eight. Yep. The Bears lost both games to the Packers. You take out those two losses and they're seven and eight. Yeah. So they basically had the same season except when they played each other, and that matters, right? Head to head matters. Sure. And it's amazing how those two games change the entire shape of how we look at everything. Right? I mean, Kyle, you're just sitting there with your mouth open aghast at me. The Bears were an okay football team. They were a below-average football team, and the Packers show at the end of the season that they got hot. They were a real hot team, unlike the Bears who got hot at the end of, hot at the end of the season where everybody gave them credit. No, no, they're not the same. They did not have the same season. They, the same season. they still don't know who their quarterback is. They both is. lost to they the Broncos. They fired their offensive coordinator. There are a lot of different— They fired their defensive coordinator, oh, me, the Packers. Did. No, the well, Packers oh, did. I was say, yeah, but— I'm I mean, saying the Packers did. But, I'm saying I, I think, I, like— oh. I think like to to act like these teams are so far apart. I think teams are closer together always than we think they are. But I think Kyle, you hit on mean, it. The quarterback yes, position means that, everything. That's what I was going to say. The quarterback position means everything. So so much about the NFC Central to me is what happens with the quarterbacks. So Jason, if we know that Goff and Love are back, what's going to happen with the two other teams right. in the division? A quarterback. Yeah, that's uh, the big <laughs> Sorry, question. NFC North. My uh, bad. Uh, here's my thing. If you look at the NFC right now, who, which quarterback would you absolutely, positively, without even hesitating, say you'd rather have than Jordan Love based on what you saw? And again, he did throw a critical, defeat-clinching, season-ending interception with a chance to go tie or win the game. But what, what you saw from him Wait, wait, for wait, those Kyle, that's games, a great question, Kyle. All right, so who in the NFC right now? Uh, would you definitively rather have than Jordan Love? Dak Prescott? 
No. No. Okay. Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts is the cautionary tale for yeah. Packers fans, right? Because we were people people in Philadelphia were feeling about Jalen Hurts the way Packers fans are feeling about Jordan Love now, and he obviously regressed last season. Right? I, I crowned I crowned Jalen Hurts, and I still believe he is. I think it was injuries and stuff. I, I'm still a Jalen Hurts believer. I'm not jumping off that bandwagon that quick. I think Jalen Hurts I would take over Jordan Love, although the injuries, man, Jordan, Jason, that's a great, I just went through it. You can't go Kyler Murray over him right now. I don't think you can. You can't go Matt Stafford, I mean, maybe for one season, but even that. I mean, if you're picking an NFC quarterback right now, I Jared Goff. I don't think there's I mean, Jared Goff, again, you could take him for one year, you but but definitively, I don't think if you're the Packers, you would trade your current quarterback position with anyone else's situation in the entire NFC. Yeah, I don't think so either. Nope. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I mean that that's incredible. Which is why it's okay for Kyle to dream a big dream like he is. But again, there are so many, and this I'm glad you brought this up because this is one of my frustrations with trying to be the voice of reason for fans. And I know fans don't always want to hear the voice of reason. Right. But it's really, really freaking hard to win a Super Bowl. And you need things to go your way. Dude, look at the Baltimore Ravens. Right. Look at the, I mean, the Tennessee Titans had a window where they were the, one of the best teams. Like, a lot of these teams, and and Lamar Jackson's a Hall of Famer who's won two MVPs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and they, you know. He had his worst day at the worst possible time. The Detroit Lions, you know, you want to talk about how Packers fans are disappointed or you're saying what if because of the opportunities that Kyle or Tausch felt like they let literally slip through their fingers. How about Brandon Ayuk catching a critical pass? Remember, the penalty was picked up on that, so there was no flag. That bounces off of the Lions defender's face, and he catches it to set up a touchdown. And then the Lions fumble on the ensuing possession, and they go in and score again. Like, if you're a Lions fan, you know. I mean, look at this, Jason. I have up the game cast of that game. Lions at 91.5% to win that game. Up at twenty four to ten. That's why you played a game. Second and ten at San Francisco's thirty six. Ninety one point five percent to go to the Super Bowl for the Detroit Lions. I saw all those highlights. I couldn't watch the game. <laughs> but you're going to watch the Super Bowl, oh, even I'll, though you think the Packers should be there too, like I, Tausch does. No, I'll watch the Super Bowl. To be honest, very very open. I did not think the Packers would win the game against Detroit in Detroit after that. I just didn't. I didn't have the feel like this was the absolute year we we're going to the Super Bowl. So that's why I was hesitant to say that the NFC Championship game was the Packers versus 49ers because Detroit is a really good football team, and though we might have stomped them in Detroit, they still came to Green Bay and beat us up. Yeah. Now, so, Jason, who are the two other starting quarterbacks this year in the NFC North? So I don't know what they're going to do with Kirk Cousins. It feels to me like they do not have a clear-cut succession plan. I, they wanted to acquire Kyler, uh, not Kyler Murray, um, Trey Lance. They were in that in those trade talks, and then the Cowboys snapped him up, which makes me wonder, they plan on him sitting for another year, and Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy both play out the last year of their contracts, and Trey Lance is their starting quarterback in 2025? With Bill Belichick as the coach? Maybe. Um, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see what the the, the Vikings do. I, I don't... It feels to me like they're more likely to bring back Kirk Cousins as a stopgap for next season. So, okay, so likely you got Goff, you got 
Love, you got cousins. And Caleb Williams. So Caleb Williams. Okay, so. I would, like, I just think it's so, and again, you know, I talked to Waddle and Sylvie about this. I actually had this conversation with Sylvie off the air, too, because I was just really curious what feeling he got. Like, it, everyone loves everything about Justin Fields except his inability to consistently throw the football well, right? Like, he is, if you were building a prototype for the type of quarterback leader that you would want on your team. He has all of the traits, except you don't know if he'll ever get quite good enough throwing the football, which is obviously the most vital part of the on-field aspect of your job. And so is he worth Is he worth a number one pick? Is he worth what? – what is Justin Fields worth? I think the last – there's people that know this better than I do. Their expectation was that he was worthy of a second-round pick. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So then you're looking at a rookie quarterback and Kyle, which would, as a Packers fan, which would you rather have? I'd rather have Justin Fields. Yeah. I'd rather have, I mean, the if they do not draft Caleb Williams, that is a failure of their organization. And look what C.J. Stroud is. I mean, you've got the replay of the Pro Bowl games. I just saw C.J. Stroud was participating in one of the throwing competitions. But look what like Bryce he, Young was this year. Right. So who knows? You don't right? know what oh, you're going to get. two right. teams in. I mean, it seems like the Texans have some better pieces around and more stable organization. But you wouldn't have thought going. that going into last year. I mean, I didn't think I didn't think you the didn't Texans think would be first year head coach. I didn't yeah. think Texans the Texans would be this good, but I didn't I didn't think the Panthers would be that bad. Right. And and that's why this is crazy. So then you look at the NFC, the Eagles, are they is their window closing or are they are they still there when we think I mean, about were, the Eagles? There were people that thought Nick Sirianni was getting fired, right? Yeah. I mean, I, who knows what their window is? It's certainly not as wide open as it appeared to be a year ago. It, I would argue that it's open, but it's if it's a Pella window, it's only it's one of those that you can open just a tiny little bit or you can open it wide. I would say that theirs is not as open as it was a year ago. Because I think those are the teams, basically, right? It's Dallas, Philly, Detroit, Green Bay, San, San Francisco. Ram. Maybe the Rams are the other one. Rams uh Rams had a Packers-esque season this year. I would agree and while their quarterback is older, they did a really good job of infusing young talent into I mean, their they roster. They completely rebuilt from that Super Bowl team. It doesn't mm-hmm. resemble that team except for Stafford and Cooper Cup mm-hmm. and Aaron Donald, I guess, yep. right? Those three guys. Yep. And they're right there too. I think that's fair. So, I mean, that's that's the race right now. And yeah, Kyle, I I think you got to set it at at ten wins, I mean, ten wins would be a huge year for the Packers. Ten and seven is that you'll, what that you'll would be? be disappointed in ten and seven? Won't I, you? I would be very disappointed uh-huh. in ten and seven. That's only one. That's only an increase in one victory over this season. Now, what what place did the, were the Packers third place last year? So they had a third place schedule, or or what was the deal there? Y- yes, the Vikings and the. Well, no, were they only? I, I'll have to look. Yeah, they were eight and nine. No, they would have been a second place. Schedule. Okay, so they did have the same schedule that theoretically yeah. they'd have this year. And last year they played the AFC. No, the the West. Vikings won the division last year. They had a third place schedule. I'm sorry. Okay, so they they have as they go forward to next year. When you look at it, and they beat the Chiefs, so they kind of played. I mean, you look at that division. The fact that they ended up losing to Denver out of that division is kind of interesting, right? They lost to Denver and Vegas, and they beat the Chargers in Kansas City. So the two teams you would have thought they would have beat coming into the year, they lost to, and the two teams they lost to, you thought they would have lost to, they beat. 
So here are their 2024 opponents. Yeah. Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota. Okay, wait, Kyle. Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota. Six games. What's their record against three division teams? Five and one. Okay. Four and two. Arizona. Win San- or loss? Arizona. Win. These are home games. Okay. The Arizona home. is your vote. Win? Yep. Uh, San Francisco at home. I say a win, big upset there. Yep. Houston at home. I'll say we'll lose. Okay. Indianapolis at home. Uh, Anthony, that's going to be a tricky one. That this defense, I, I think should, Packers should win, but that defense is going to be tricky, especially with uh, Anthony Richardson. I don't know what to expect. Okay, so you got that as a win, though. I'll, t- I'll right. chuck it up. Two more w. home games. New Orleans. Win. And Miami. Loss. Okay. On the road. Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota. We already did that. Well, at, I guess Miami at, depends on when we're playing. Okay. That's fair. At, at the Rams. L- loss. At Seattle. Win. Mm-hmm. Okay. At Jacksonville. Jacksonville's tricky. Probably loss. At Tennessee. Win. And at Philly. Loss. Okay. 11 and 6. So oh, okay. There it so is. So Kyle, who's optimistic, mm-hmm. again, obviously matchups when it happens, all that 11 and right. 6. All right. We'll talk more about the Packers. Jason Wilde in studio. Sunday Karma. Jen Latta. Jen Latta from Jen Gabe and Chewy's going to join us as we continue. Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. It's Sunday Karma with Craig Carmenson on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. I get up, I get down, and I'm jumping around. And the rumpus and rock gets so comfortable now. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. What a special day this is. We have Jason Wilde in studio for the first time in 20 years on uh, Sunday Karma, (laughs) formerly a football show. We have Jen Latta from Jen, Gabe, and Chewy on the phone joining us. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, guys. Jen. We're both having to pay off our bets, right? You lost our cover five contest in 2022. I lost it in 2023. I've already agreed. I have to go 24 hours to George Webb and sit there. I'm not allowed to have any meetings. I can't have any technology. I can't have anything. I have to sit there for 24 hours. The only way I could decrease that time is every time I ate a pancake, I get to decrease it by an hour. So (laughs) I I don't know what this means. If this is going to be 16, 17 hours. Your penalty, seemingly less on the surface. You need to take the ACT standardized test. Um, And you've said you're ready to go. You do not feel like you need prep courses. You're just ready to take this thing. Yeah, because this doesn't affect anything in my life. It's not as though I'm trying to get into college. It's not as though the score I get on the ACT will affect my job security. So, I don't care. I literally need you. I may go in there and just go C, 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 all the way down the, the standardized test. Form. Wait, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. Well, that's, that's not, not the allowed. spirit Jason. of the, that's not the spirit of the challenge, is it? Wait, I, I, Jason, now you're very proud of your ACT score, Jason, right? What was your ACT I'm, score? I got a 36. Yep. Okay. 36 what? Are you kidding here. me? No. A 36? And my parents wanted me to be a doctor. Yeah, I'm going to say. It didn't, didn't work you, out the way they hoped. You're a great journalist, but uh, you, yeah, you're he not. He was the you, valedictorian of his high school and got a 36 on the ACTs. 
And he hasn't worn long pants in 15 years at this point. Yeah, uh, uh, Jason, you are. I mean, you went and you were going to be successful any career that you went. Uh, but I, your parents, I'm sure they love everything that you've done. But no. I'm not sure. yeah, that's yeah, true, that's, actually. That's but that's totally a different show. Yeah, for better health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need. Uh, we might need a few uh, a long term relationship with better health to figure out that relationship. So, but let's go back to Jen here, Jen. Now you were 29 on the ACTs. I got a 29. And that score got me waitlisted at Northwestern, which I was very disappointed um, about at the time. But I've told this story before. And when we went and visited Northwestern, you know, we're from Northern Illinois, uh, and they, you know, they're giving us the tour, and I'm so impressed with the campus and really hoping to make a good impression. And they say, does anyone have any other questions about life at Northwestern? And I said, like, I was just wondering about your Greek life. Do you have like a sorority row or anything? And my father did not speak to me for the remainder of the visit and the entire ride home. I had embarrassed him so sufficiently with my inquiry about the sorority and Greek life at Northwestern. I mean, that seems like a fair question to me. And so you end up cheerleader at Marquette. Well, yeah, when you're when you're 16, 17 years old, that's you know, whatever, that was a priority for What did they reason. say? Yes, I ended up they Oh, that's a great question, Jason. I haven't ever thought about what they said. You're too busy looking <laughs> at your dad in his disappointment that, that he's feeling. See, see, that's the thing. You as a father of your two daughters, I'm sure you can recognize like, yes, that's immediately what it was. I the words left my mouth and as they were like entering the ether I glanced over in his direction and everything else just kind of like went home, you know, like, so the people were probably talking and it was the Charlie Brown wah, 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 wah. So you end up leading to a historic journalism career, just like that of Jason Wilde, you know, at uh, the two top 10 uh, college basketball schools in Wisconsin and Marquette. And so now, Jen, I think there should be like... If Jen doesn't score over a 20, and I know, because in my my Ooh. bet, in my bet, there were rules put in after the fact, I feel like you should have to take it over and over again until you score in the 20s, at least. Now, why would I agree to that? <laughs> well, I just agreed. <laughs> I just agreed that I'm not allowed to have any face-to-face business meetings and wearing an orange jumpsuit when as well. I'm there. I did not agree to the orange jumpsuit. <laughs> we already have a co-host. We already have a co-host of one of us that has a picture in an orange jumpsuit that shows up way too often. You know, so we know we don't want to take one of those pictures because we don't know how often those will show up. Correct, yeah. Jen? Mm-hmm. I well, listen. I think that like now we're talking chaos. Now we're talking anarchy. Like you can't change the stipulations of a bet after the fact. But like that's be no. There has to be good faith when you go through a bet. I, like you I, could walk in and then walk out and say, "Oh, I took the ACTs." Like that doesn't count. So as long well, as so long as I fill in the answers. If if I could be the arbiter here yeah. briefly, uh, you did open the door with your C C C C C statement. If you take the test in good faith and do your best, now now I'm sounding like your dad. If you <laughs> if you do your best. Uh, I don't think anyone has an issue, but you kind of open the door for us to now be curious just how much effort you intend to put forth. That's all. Well, but that was never discussed. There was never any suggestion of, mm. and you have to do your best. It was, you have to take the ACT. Wait, parenting sidebar here. If your kids 
do their best and get a really bad grade. Are you fine with it or are you not fine with it? Not fine. Okay, so Jen, if and you're... Tell you why, and I'll tell you why, because yeah. I know what his best is, right? Like, I have, there's a history, there's a resume, so we know what Chase's best work looks like. So if he falls short of that, now look, any given Sunday, any given day, maybe you have an off day, maybe you have a bad day, but then you have to articulate that, right? It can't just be like, oh, I did my best. You know, like that's not a catch-all excuse for a poor performance. Jet, Jason. Mm. Uh, so you, since you outlined my resume for my academic career, I, I just got done. Maddie had to uh, go through the process because she'll be a freshman next year. And the conversation I had with her advisor was, look, I was the valedictorian in my class. If Maddie's a valedictorian of this high school, I will be disappointed. I want her to have a more well-rounded high school experience. And if she gets a B, it is not the end of the world, which is how it was treated in my home. So uh, if she does her best and those are A's and B's and she's a well-rounded Wait, wait, wait. Kid, no, she does um, her best and those are A's, B's, and C's. Mm, uh, I'm okay with a C also. She AC, AC. Okay, AC. <laughs> Maybe two, okay. whatever. Okay. Unfortunately, she has a perfect 4.0 going too. So uh, she takes after her mother. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Valedictorian says that in a awkward, self-deprecating uh, way there. No, her mother is very... F- she does not agree with me on the no that oh, B's so and C's are okay. Okay, okay, okay. So she's more on the gen train over yes, here. She she's more so. on the gen train. You didn't try your best if you didn't get the uh, good grades. Indeed. You can't tell me you tried your best. Indeed. Okay. All right, so back to this gen thing. I, 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 don't, I don't know that, Jen, so you're saying you could say C, 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 and that's fine, and you've, you've paid off your bet? Well, that would just be for the Spanish portion of the test. <laughs> okay. All right. Then you say no, 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 no. That was not bad. That was pretty good, actually. Um, Took me a while to figure that out. I I plan on going in and, you know, because I am genuinely curious, you know, like however many years it's been, 30 years removed from taking the ACT. I am curious how much of that knowledge I've retained. There we go. I'm also curious if Chase having been in that space, right, because he's a, a freshman in high school and so I do help him with his homework occasionally, and so I do have refresher courses occasionally on some of the material. I'm cur- I'm genuinely curious, but the bottom line, Craig, is like I know that you and I have a long-standing relationship, and you've known me for a really long time, and I am a recovering perfectionist, right? Like yes. there's a very long time where like how I performed was somehow indicative of my worth, but through therapy and growth and evolution, I have learned that that is not the case. Right. And that's awesome because Jason, it sounds like maybe you and I were raised in similar households. So I am to the point now where if I take the ACT and I get a 12 on it, it'll be good for content. It'll be good for laughs, but I'm not going to let it affect like my opinion of myself because the ACT at this stage of my life literally has no bearing on my success. I agree. And I don't think that score should define you, but I think if you get a 19, you just have to take it again. (laughs) (laughs) I just, you've made that very clear. I mean, Uh, I mean, or you have to sit with me at George Webb. How about this? Can I also say one thing? The, the, this, this was a booby trap from the start because y'all are playing cover five and you have what I don't have in the fall, which is time. So the reason I lost, honestly, and Kyle knows this, is because probably like, I don't know, eight out of the however many weeks it was, eight out of the, let's just say, 15 weeks, I literally never played. (laughs) Well, Jen, I know I have a lot of all the time in the world. I just have all the time in the world. I have no other responsibilities, so I could just work on my cover five, and I lost also. So we're in this, we're we're in the same boat. So, okay, how about this deal? 
uh, since Jen has uh, all the time in the world once the fall's over, if she gets under 20, then she has to sit in George Webb with me for 24 hours. <laughs> Not for 24 hours. I'll come visit. You. Oh, come so nice. It's uh, to do. To be honest with you, Craig, you should just uh, you should just recruit people to spend an hour with you. Ooh. And it's not business, right? We're not doing like reviews or anything, but we just kind of catch. All up right, we're done like... with Jen. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, we don't. Kyle want does to not want to make this easier for yeah. me in any way. All right, well, we'll get Jen. Uh, Jen's going to be scheduled soon. She'll be taking her ACTs. I will be uh, paying off my bet at George Webb, and you can listen to Jen, Gabe, and Chewy every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9, leading into Wildey and Tausch. How about that? Uh, Jen, by the way, um, as someone who uh, who grew up in the Chicago area and is now a firmly uh, entrenched Wisconsinite, Give us your top, your rankings of the NFC North in order predicted for next season, as it stands right now. Packers, Lions, Vikings, Bears. Wow. Packers over the Lions there, uh, Kyle. There's too much chaos. There's just still too much chaos in Chicago, right? And I told you this before, like, I have a good relationship with George McCaskey, but I think it's time that the McCaskeys found different ownership. Yeah. All right. And you have them ahead of the Lions uh, next year. That's that's the big uh, breaking news story there from Jen Latta. Jen, thank you for joining us as always. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Yep. There she is, Jen Latta. When we continue, we have our Palermo's picks, including finding out, because I haven't been on social media to see, has Jason Wildey watched the We Are the World documentary yet? And does Kyle Wallace even know what We Are the World is based on his age? We will find that out as we continue. It's Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. It's that time. Yes, it's finally here. Craig makes his picks of the week. You can bet the house on it. Picks of the week on Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin. Presented by Palermo's Pizza, Wisconsin's hometown pizza. Can't wait to see what happens next. On ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. And it is time for our Palermo's Picks, which, of course, brought to us by Palermo's Pizza. Find Palermo's in your local grocery freezer. I found my most recent ones at Sendix. You love the Screaming Sicilian. Surfer Boy with the crust is insane. Connie's Urban Pie, Palermo's. Oh, there is uh, an ability to uh, eat delicious pizza and know you're supporting one of Wisconsin's hometown brands, supporting... uh, so many that they employ, so many community activities that Giacomo, Angelo, and the team at Palermo support. They bring us your Palermo's picks. Bonus segment with Jen Lada. Jen, that means you watched the documentary, didn't you? Oh, my gosh. I watched it yesterday, and I loved it. So we're talking about We Are the World. I don't even know what the documentary is called. Um, but The Greatest uh, Night in Pop. Okay, Greatest Night in Pop. I watched it Monday night, um, and... Was just it was one of those where I was just like constantly smiling. Uh, Kyle said, "Oh, y'all are from that. We are the world generation." No, wait, no that's not that. That is not how I said it. Yeah, you that's are. Fair, fair said, to you, you, you all, did not say you that. You were all excited about it, and I just wanted to be known is that we are the world. I know the words. We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones that make okay. a better day. Nice. So let's start giving. Is the choice you're making yeah. we had to sing it in elementary school okay. nonstop. It was only like ten years old by that time. Okay, because I've met people like. Like, Hannah in the company is like, isn't she, like, close to your age? She, exact same age. She's actually older than me. She had never heard of it. What? Yeah, she never heard of it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we I had to sing the song growing up. Yeah, so 
So, Jen, you watched the movie. What was, uh, and that is our Palermo's pick of the week, is to watch uh, The Biggest Night in Pop. Uh, what were your biggest takeaways from watching this movie? So, okay, well, first of all, and you also, made was a it documentary. Like, was it like signature? Like, for me, and Jason, you could answer this after Jen, it feels like it was a signature memory of my childhood was like that song coming out. No, not for me. I mean, you're a little bit older than I am, so it wasn't a signature memory of my childhood, but I loved so many of those artists, right? Like, that was the thing. It's like, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen and Huey Lewis and Cyndi Lauper and Paul Simon and Hall and & Oates, and I think it was just Hall that was there, actually. <laughs> yeah. but like, like, one after another after another. And Lionel Richie did such a fantastic job as the main narrator of the piece. Um, and Michael Jackson, getting to hear him without the tracks behind him, just singing the lyrics of the song. Like, there were so many moments in the documentary that were just really powerful. Um, and then, of course, the conflict, right? There was so much conflict because when you get all of those egos, all of those personalities, all of those superstars in the same room, yes, you're all, like, pulling the rope in the same direction. But, like, at one point, Stevie Wonder wants to insert some Swahili into the song. And people are like, they don't even speak Swahili in the, the guy walked of the out. world that was it was it was crazy. I um, mean, you could just see like you know um, Sheila E being there because they really just wanted Prince to show up, and like so. I just as somebody who makes you know short documentaries and who dabbles in the documentary space, I'm always fascinated by the process of it. I thought they knocked it out of the park. It was entertaining. It was informative, and there was so much nostalgia for our generation seeing all of those artists in the same room. Jason, what about your memories of uh, We Are the World? So I obviously remember it very clearly, but there was also the Christmas one. Do they know it's Christmas after yeah. all? Which was which I feel like Feed I Feed the World. Yes. Yeah, that one. Uh, and then we there was Farm Aid that occurred during my youth. There which, was also Hands Across America. Yes. Which we were not very happy with y'all in the Midwest, because like we had a lot of population and we were all gonna hold hands and go from coast to coast. We did our job at the coasts. I don't know what happened with y'all in the center of the country on Hands Across America. I'm glad. I'm glad you've recovered from that disappointment. Yeah, uh, I'm eager to watch the uh, documentary. Although I'm so far behind on all the different things, I I still haven't streamed the final season of Ted Lasso. No, watch this first. This was definitely worth every moment. Yeah, wow. this was so, this, from this, a young so person. This, this was this was so good because I don't. Most of these artists, I I've heard of them, and I've seen the video. I didn't know the backstory. I didn't realize this was like a big ordeal before an award, uh, after an award show. I just thought they got together and did it for Africa. I didn't realize there was so much behind the scenes stuff, and oh, it was behind it, the music. Yeah, and so then actually seeing the film of them, of the video being filmed, it was pretty cool to see the background. So like you hear Cindy Lopper. Yeah, you see her like how many takes she had to do. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Al Jarreau, who's from Wisconsin, being yeah, drunk. No yeah, of course. The, what? the guy from the Wisconsin walkie, was drunk. Of course. Walkie, yeah, it was. It was fantastic. I was like, this wait, is Jen. Great. What about Jen? What about the St- about um, Bob Dylan? Like. He needed Stevie Wonder yeah. to teach him how to be Bob Dylan. Like that was amazing. That was so that was so strange, but like every time they showed him it just looked like he was very uncomfortable in that setting. Right? It looked like he he didn't know how to interact with all of these other superstars, which was unusual. Um, but I love that you said about Cindy Lauper because what that scene at the end was Huey Lewis and Cindy Lauper and was it Kim Coates was the other one and they were all trying to harmonize Kim Carnes Kim Carnes had such Kim Carnes yeah thank you so much and Cindy Lauper has such range and Huey Lewis was just trying to keep up he couldn't hit those high notes but like 
that's all of like what went into creating this like global phenomenon of a song. That's wild. Um, it is uh, definitely uh, Jen and Kyle and me recommended, Jason. So uh, Those think, are your Palermo's picks. Yeah, that, I think that is a strong, strong uh, Palermo pick uh, for this week. So everyone, uh, if it's on Netflix, by the way, if we didn't say it, um, check <laughs> that out. And uh, I think we're uh, usually a little uh, long on the show, but I think we're about four minutes too long. So Jen Latta, Jen Gave and Chewy, bonus segment. Love it. Uh, Jason Wilde in studio, love it. Kyle Wallace, KBN, Kyle, Brad Nortman, right? Star-studded. This is the most star-studded <laughs> Sunday karma ever. Wait, isn't that what that show is called? KBN, Kyle, Brad Nortman? That's what the B It was this week. Yeah, yeah. It right. was this the week. The Brust is back. Baby Brust is back. Okay. I don't know if we're talking about his baby or him. Okay, I don't know. I didn't know if that's... I didn't know what we're talking about on the air, so I, I didn't go there, but you did, so all good. I know I always talk about when you have COVID on the air and your, fan, <laughs> all right, what and the your heck? family gets mad. <laughs> Uh, is that bad? Is that is that a uh, that is a HIPAA violation? That is a HIPAA violation. I I, I love airing uh, Kyle's dirty. Uh, you know, I've been COVID for six plus months. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, all right. There you have it, Jen. Thank you, Jen, for jumping on uh, twice. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'll see you soon. Good yeah. luck on the ACT. Yeah, Jen Lada. Jason Wildy, thank you for uh, being here. This was fun. I'm glad I stopped by. Yeah, Wildy and Tausch, 9 to noon. That, I mean, this is, I mean, we just were missing Homer and Greeny, right? That's uh, who he needed. Uh, Greeny, Greeny doesn't even show up for his own job half the time. Oh, that's a so, shot. So I think I was, he's done a good job of that. I heard a lot of Evan Cohen, which is fantastic. Rutledge and Hamilton. Yeah, we, 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 uh, we got a few more, but uh, I'll see y'all at George Webb. Uh, stay healthy, stay together, survive today, thrive tomorrow, don't settle. You have been listening to Sunday Karma on ESPN Wisconsin. Are you sticking with this music? You're not You're not flowing into We're, our others? This is it, baby. We are the world today. Wow. Kyle, send us out. Peace. This is ESPN Wisconsin and ESPNWisconsin.com.